Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Cole Wissinger. Good morning, Cougar fans. That's right, we are back, and it is basketball season now, with a little bit of a wrinkle to your regularly scheduled programming. I've been taking you through football, and it's been so fun, but... I needed to call in a little help for basketball. So we're introducing here on the first time on the Cougar Tailgate, our new co-host, Sydney Carlson. Welcome on. Thanks. So excited to be here. Talk basketball. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it. Got a long basketball season ahead of us and a little bit of basketball that's kind of already happened in the background while I've just kind of stared myopically at the football season. Uh, and we want to kind of get you caught up. Normally on the program, we start off by, you know, what happened in the meantime. And we're going to ignore the the football game that did happen in the meantime, and focus on the basketball season that we've been enjoying. Jake to the elbow, spin to the paint, hands low to Celius, down to the five-second shot clock, Harding three, he got it to go! Connor Harding off the rim, the window went in, and the Cougars by 12. Let's go ahead and start with game number one that counted. (laughs) Cal State Fullerton, sure, sure. sure. (laughs) Hold him to 58 points, easy win, get a couple of those easy ones out of the way first, leading to kind of a harder point in the schedule, specifically a team that the football team also got a little familiar with in the meantime, San Diego Diego State. State. Yeah, you know, that San Diego State game, I wasn't quite sure. I felt like Cal State Fullerton was a team that hadn't really tested us yet, and so I was interested to see what San Diego State was going to look like. And we came out so strong, and I was so excited. But I think the team was still kind of trying to get its feet under it because we've got this new coach and a team that hasn't really played together in a full season. And I saw a lot of promise, came up short, but... Yeah, San Diego two, State's a good team. Even before that, UT Tyler, I think, was the pre, like, quote-unquote preseason game sure. we had before that. Put up 100. Everything looked easy-ish against right. these FCS equivalent, I don't know what basketball calls them, sort of programs, right? But then once it comes to it, right, this team is still gelling, and it's still a process, as right. we also kind of saw in our most recent game. But we'll get there. <laughs> Trust Southern, the process. Trust Southern, the process. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can we – Yes. We uh, we need to. We need to give them a little time, implement the system for Mark Pope. Um, but we got Southern Utah next, and we did get a win. So we're 1-0 against Utah teams, which yeah. was nice. And Southern Utah honestly surprised me. I did not expect them to come out as strong as they did. They gave us a little bit, a little bit of struggle there for a second. I was a little worried, but came out on top. That's all that matters. Leading to what I think is the highlight of the season so far— which Absolutely. was a game down in Houston, Texas, on a road against a quad A kind of a program. Sure. Houston. The, and the old stomping grounds of Dave Rose. Exactly. And he was there in the crowd. This was, again, taking you back a couple weeks now just in time. Dave Rose was going through a little bit of a health scare. It was really like encouraging for BYU fans to see him there, like courtside seats. Absolutely. And to see the the finish that TJ Haas put together um, going down the court and hitting a buzzer beater, so exciting! Top what, top two, two, yeah, number two on, on Sports Center. Center. Yep, got our very own uh, Jason Shepard on the call because <laughs> I believe that Greg Rubel was uh, calling the soccer game. Yeah, soccer's been a little busy also yeah. since we've been focused on football. <laughs> Volleyball's in the top ten ish. Uh, rankings don't really matter because they're in the NCAA tournament. They won last night. We get. Another chance at a Utah game tonight when women's volleyball goes up against them. This will probably be TJ to take it and go and score or dish. Harding, Haas, Barcelo, Toulson, and Nixon are the five on the floor for BYU. Harding inbounds to Haas with three seconds. Haas pulls up, fades away. Yes, yes, TJ So TJ Haas nails that buzzer beater against Houston, and he's kind of been where a lot of the points are coming from this season. He and Jake Toulson are leading so far. TJ averaging about 14 points. Jake's at about 15 points this season. So that's... Assuming you're taking Yoli's one one game at 29 (laughs) average out. He's crushing it. 29 points a game. We'll get a little bit of a sample size before. But, I mean, once Yoli is back, we assume that he's going to be leading the team as well. But it's been a backcourt driven kind of a team up until now. Showed off in Houston, and then they go to overtime against Boise State, 
but ultimately fall up short, which kind of every time so far this season, and I guess it's to be expected with a brand new coach and kind of everyone, like we said, gelling together and getting a new system into them. But every time we've had a high high on this squad, I feel like it's come crashing down immediately. 100%. Boise State seemed like a team, especially after getting that Houston win. Hey, we're back. We're here. And then it goes to overtime, and you still fall up a little short. Yeah, I gotta, I've got to say, I my heart can't take too many overtime games from any of these BYU teams. Let's just let's get it done in regulation. And the football team luckily saw a lot of success in overtime. Less so for the basketball team so far. But just for the sake of my heart and my stress levels, I can't do any more over, overtime. So just. Putting that out there for all the teams. Speaking of Sydney's heart, yeah. <laughs> uh, the roller coaster of the season, which, you know, you, you got to watch. Got got some heart palpitations. Never go on roller coasters in real life and never follow BYU basketball, apparently. Because right 100%. after you lose in overtime to Boise State, go out to Hawaii, treat it like a vacation. No one really expects you to win in that first round because we're pitted up against really like an almost blue blood of college basketball. And it's UCLA. And guess what? They just casually yeah. get the win. Casually, no problem. <laughs> casually, uh, 78-63. Nobody saw that coming. Absolutely. I, so, I want to say we were a one-point favorite going into that game, which, which is nothing. surprises me. And and honestly, doing doing a little bit of the broadcasting side as well, when we were kind of expecting which games to expect and put on the schedule, we were, I mean, honestly, I was looking at the loser's bracket to see what time we'd be playing the next day. Right. BYU basketball. Wonderful. Wonderful surprise. I mean, and then Unfortunately, no the winner's bracket, yeah, puts you right up against Kansas. <laughs> Who's been having but, a heck of a year. Absolutely. I mean, they're always in the conversation. So, I mean, it's so cool that you get to play a Kansas-type team in, you know, in Maui. Or I guess Lahaina. But it is, I, I wanted to see maybe a slightly closer second half. Because they were keeping with them in that first in half. First half. I wasn't expecting a win, but I would have liked to see a, a stronger second half from them. But. but again, you get the feeling that all of these things are coming together to to bring us somewhere, right? It's still a team that's learning to play together. These are the nine Absolutely. games we're covering that were sans the only childs. And so to keep it close in that first half before kind of falling off the cliff to a superior team. Oh, so encouraging. Very, very good. And then to go to that third place game and come out on top against Virginia Tech, who ain't nothing to slough about either. Absolutely. Pretty impressively nine. 90 to 77. Yeah. I mean, to come out of that uh, Maui Invitational 2-1 and one is It was a decent really, Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's really all you can ask for. Decent Thanksgiving with the basketball team, Taysom Hill, crushing it in the NFL. That was the highlight of my Thanksgiving, <laughs> but I divert to football. <laughs> As we will probably do over the course of the Totally. We know that we're a work in progress. My real marker is in our growth and our growth you know, the six and three is a byproduct of the growth, but what I'm excited about is how far we've come in a month together. And and I have a pretty clear vision of, of where we need to get to. And the fact that we get to, and, and that part of us being a work in progress and clearly understanding our goal is to be the best team we can be by the end of the season. I just can't wait. Montana Tech, Montana State, Montana Tech. Montana Tech. <laughs> Next game on the schedule, victory, which brings us to. So that's nine games, right? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six And I mean, bless victories. that Montana Tech, Montana Tech game for the sake of having Yuli Childs in Utah, but would love to see a little more competition. However, those guys, I was at the arena and those guys were coming in with their smartphones. Like they just thought that they were living the dream playing in the Marriott Center, which was really cool to see, but bless them. They were they were the team we needed to get Yoli in for Utah. Yeah, it's kind of like how when Chase Young was out for a couple games in you know football uh, before he could come back against Penn State right. and Michigan. Right, oh right. no, he was suspended for Rutgers. Ah. Whatever will Ohio State do? <laughs> Leading us to the game that it, that football, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever club sports you want to. If the ping pong teams play each other, the game that's circled on the schedule is BYU versus Utah. Right. And it started off so great, Sydney. It really did. You know, I I traveled somewhere to so to some house that had cable because I do not have the Pac-12 <laughs> network, but I traveled to make sure I could see this game for especially for this podcast, this radio show. And um 
I traveled, and then I had to travel home in sadness. But that was the sacrifice that I made, dear listeners, um, <laughs> to be a part of this. <laughs> and and oh gosh, it just—it's so disheartening to see a team that was gelling so well. And honestly, Yoli came out like he hadn't missed a single beat. He looked so good. I, and I was so excited. More rust. I, I in my oh, mind, 100%. right? You got to set yourself up. Utah's a perfectly good school. They're a Pac-12 team. They're young, but they they've got talent. And so yeah. Yoli isn't going to just waltz back onto the court and and put up 29, is he? Absolutely not. Barstool BYU, BYU's Barstool Twitter account was calling it Yoli's revenge tour cuz he just came out like, "Let me show you let me show you what I'm made of. Like, you can keep me off the court for nine games, but this is who I am, and I'm just going to make you all look silly, honestly. And it turns out he spent those nine games on, on the sideline uh, doing a little three-point practice because the first couple times, I remember it, it was kind of painful. You know Yoli's got NBA aspirations, right? Absolutely. And so a couple years ago and, and last year, when you would see him step back and try to take threes as a BYU fan. Always stressful. I, yeah. I didn't know what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, oh, he's just he's trying to show the scouts that he can do this, but he really can't do this yet. Absolutely. Um, guess what? Yoli can do this now. <laughs> he's been he's been standing behind that three point line all day, every day appears for the last few months. I remember um when he decided to come back his junior year, he had talked to some scouts and that was one of the things that they asked him to focus on was his three point shooting. And I didn't feel like his junior year he really was able to shine in that way. Mm-hmm. But if he can keep up what he did against Utah, like I think he can be really appealing to the NBA, which I would love to see him succeed in that way. As a BYU fan, we always like to see the Cougars hit the pros and, and do it successfully, and, and Yoli really does have a chance to do that, especially given what we saw in the first half. Unfortunately, sometimes when you're out for a period of time, the rust doesn't always manifest just in like a rusty shot. Right. It's just the body, body isn't, isn't quite yet. ready. 100%. Um, and so up. as soon as... and. And it was so sad because we saw the other fellows that were on the court for the other nine games do so well. But it was just, it was like the heart was ripped out of the team when Yoli left in that second half. Again, you kind of wish that after they'd gotten practice without Yoli for so long, they could have held on to a little bit of a lead. Well, it felt like they had a rhythm. Like, Yoli was leading that team and he was the one taking charge. And so when he is suddenly ripped from the game, you have to find someone else to step into that role. And uh, I wish it had been TJ, but he ran into foul trouble early. And it feels like if TJ's not on, that this team struggles just in general. It's He's a weird barometer. And he's, I mean, obviously so talented and a crucial part of this team. But it's weird mm-hmm. that like he his performance specifically can almost determine whether or not this team does well. And I, it's not even like you want to put that all on him because I don't think that's it. It's just like just kind of a weird correlation. It's Yeah, it's the correlation, not the causation. Yeah, you just 100%. looking back realize, oh, when we didn't do well, it, it was a night that TJ was off too. Right. right. And so, yeah, unfortunately, that those fouls really, those fouls for TJ really hurt us. And then having Yoli out just to not have either of those two guys on the court is killer. And they just weren't able to overcome, again, the, the foul trouble, which we, we should mention a little bit, that yeah. Utah was able to make more foul shots than we even got to attempt. Right. Uh, whatever it ended up being, whatever adversity that comes your way, when you have a 16-point lead, though, you hope that it doesn't have to come to overtime. Utah doesn't lead for a second in the entire regulation, but they tie it up. We head to overtime. And just as soon as we get there, you just, oh, it's like the BYU wind has just been totally taken right out of the out sails. Of yeah. They don't have any active bodies to shove onto the court left. And Utah comes out on top of the rivalry. And everyone drives home in sadness. <laughs> I know I did. Which brings us, Sydney, to today. As we sit, we're in pregame preparations for UNLV. The, the, the fellows are up in Salt Lake. Yep, getting playing at ready. The home of the Jazz. Vivin Smart Home Arena. We got a couple games on the schedule this year. We got UNLV today, and then of course the Beehive Classic, which we will give you the whole history and intricacies of next week on the program when we face off against another in-state rival, Utah State. But that's still in the future. We've got you caught up on the past, so let's focus on the present. When we come back on the Cupid Tailgate, it's UNLV and today's game. Don't go anywhere. 
Did you know the Running Rebels have been to four Final Fours in team history? They won the national championship over Duke in 1990. fight songs at basketball games too that is the UNLV fight song which means it is time to get to know the foe that the Cougars are playing today and for that we have John Sandler the radio play-by-play man of the running rebels welcome into the Cougar tailgate thank you very much good to be here now BYU and UNLV are old conference foes what is your favorite memory from the rivalry over the years Uh, my favorite memory I mean obviously I guess it can be from your side of it, yeah. From UNLV, yeah, is uh, is the first victory over BYU in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Um, great atmosphere, great great uh, weekend of college basketball. Uh, talking with folks around the country, this is I'm talking, I think oh six oh seven or oh seven oh eight, one of the two. Um, when uh, you know, the, the saying that uh, that began a stretch of about three or four years running sort of through the Jimmer years at BYU um, when the Mountain West semifinals was the best night of college basketball, the, the conference semifinals uh, was the best night of college basketball in the country with uh, the Rebels and BYU and, and New Mexico and San Diego State uh, participating and all teams being really good and, and really fun. And But the, 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 the first time UNLV beat BYU in that championship game was is probably my favorite memory. It was just an incredible, incredible environment. Um, you know, kind of got the Rebels back on the map uh, in terms of basketball, beating a a, a program and a team the the caliber of BYU and uh, coming from behind in a game that they trailed at halftime. It was it was a great day. And there there were times in the Jimmer years also that you got a, snuck a couple wins away as well. Um, yeah, not that. as often. I mean, he was. Jimmer's still one of the greatest college basketball players, certainly offensive college basketball players I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, there were—I mean, the rivalry—the rivalry back then was was terrific. Um, you know, I went back and looked, and there were a couple of years where the Rebels swept BYU in the regular season, uh, or the teams would split, and then the Rebels would would typically win in that championship or semifinal game in the conference tournament. Uh, then BYU swept the Rebels a couple of times. I mean, it was just you know back and forth. There was one year where the teams traded 40 or 50-point victories. I mean, just crazy, you know, 30 or 40-point victories over one another in the regular season, and then the Rebels won in the tournament. So uh, it's, been, it's been all over the place. Uh, I remember a game where uh, Mike Rose couldn't miss. He, he made shots from Ogden and Logan and, and somewhere in Idaho, and uh, that was up at the Marriott Center. Uh, uh, just, just always competitive games. And then, of course, the most recent one, uh, year before last at uh, – or, or was it last year? Pardon me. At um, down in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, yeah, when, where the Golden uh, Knights are playing. Right, where uh, where the Rebels won on that last second shot. So you know, just just always always competitive, really really fun game. And refresh my memory. How long has the Mountain West Championship game was it at the Thomas and Mack Center as well, or is that just our WCC that we play there? No, no, the the Mountain West Conference. Those games I'm referring to between the Runner Rebels and BYU were were at the Thomas and Mack Center. Right, so that's that's right in your backyard. That must have been pretty awesome. Get the hometown crowd out for it as well. Yeah, I mean it. You know, there's been obviously a lot of talk. Uh, there was a lot of talk then about the Rebels having an advantage, uh, and undeniably so. But it, it certainly hasn't played out that way over the last last eight or nine years. Um, you know, uh, the the conference tournament in Las Vegas for for a reason, and the reason is it's where where you can draw the the largest crowd and you know they tried it in other places and they tried it in Denver and it was it was not successful so it's in Vegas and and hopefully we'll be there for an extended period of time whether it stays at at the Thomas and Mac or moves to another venue eventually we'll see yeah the Vegas fans have always been amazing and have always gotten out for it other than our little rivalry what would you say the UNLV's biggest rival is on the court um typically at San Diego State uh the Rebels and the Aztecs have have had some some great battles. San Diego State has dominated the series over the last decade, no doubt. Um, Rebels actually just snapped a losing streak to the Aztecs of about nine games recently. But uh, that's that's probably their their other their biggest rival in the conference is San Diego State. And what are some of the the player names that I think that normal NBA or college basketball fans would recognize that they maybe didn't know came from the UNLV program? 
from UNLV. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Sean Marion. I'm thinking of guys in the NBA recently, uh, Marcus Banks, and then, you know, Patrick McCaw, Derek Jones, who uh, who's in the league now, as 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 is Pat, um, Chris Wood, Christian Wood, who just had a huge game for Detroit, um, and Anthony Bennett, who uh, you know has has been uh, unfortunately not a success. Uh, after being drafted first overall in a sort of a strange series of circumstances leading into that right. draft. Um, but, you know, even though the Rebel program has not been uh, up to snuff, if you will, the, the, they still have been able to manufacture talent to get to the league, um, not in the last oh, two or three years, but, um, but, but McCaw and Jones, I think, are the latest. And then let's, let's go back to the glory days of UNLV, if we could. Um and rack your memory and rack your expertise here. Could you give us a history of UNLV basketball just briefly? Well, I mean, you know, you can go back. Um, unfortunately, I've had to recall some of the, some of the history because my former broadcast partner, Robert Smith, uh, who was, who was the color man for UNLV, uh, uh, broadcast for the last decade, um, has, has suffered a, uh, severe stroke, oh my goodness. and uh, right before the season started, um, Robert was the point guard on on Tark's first Final Four team, '77, uh, and um, you now still holds the UNLV record for field, for free throw percentage. And here here's a great a great note for you that uh, I find remarkable. Okay. So those teams '76, '77, '77, '78, the teams that Robert was the point guard for, they. They scored over 100 points 23 times each of those two seasons. So that's 46 times in all. And remember, those were the days before the three-point line or the shot clock. Yeah, yeah. And they still were able to score over 100 points 46 times in those two years. It's just absolutely crazy. Um, one note on that, and, and I forgive me, I hope you'll indulge me on this. Absolutely. Uh, if, if fans are, are of a mind to do so, there is a GoFundMe account set up for Robert and his family. Um, it's, it's a tragic story, Robert suffering this massive stroke and, and his wife ill with, with cancer. Um, so there is a, a GoFundMe account. Uh, just search, go to GoFundMe.com, search UNLV or Robert Smith, and you know, his picture will cop, pop up. And uh, I know the fans there are terrific and, and generous and, and charitably minded. And so if, if they're so inclined, uh, the family would certainly appreciate the support. But, uh, but anyway, getting back to your question about uh, history. So, you know, that's when it started. And then, of course, you know, mid-'80s, uh, another run uh, with the Armand Gilliam teams. And then, you know, late-'80s, early-'90s, the the true glory days with uh, with what I think is is still the greatest team in college basketball, um, you know, with with Johnson and Anthony and and uh, you know Anderson Hunt and 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 George Ackles and you know and that that group and Stacy Ogman of course, um, you know, just just an unbelievable assortment of talent. Uh, won the national championship one year, uh, lost in the finals the following year, still hold the, the record for the largest margin of victory in, a, in an NCAA championship game over Duke the year they won it. Um, just, a, just a remarkable thing. But, of course, it's a double-edged sword. You have that much success in a, in a, in a program like this. Uh, it raises the expectations, and those echoes are heard for a very, very, very long time. BYU football is a little familiar with that one sure. national yep. championship, and then fans think that that's what they get every year, right? Yeah, it's 1992 every year. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's rough, but I mean, I still looking back in my research, you talk about the blue bloods, right? UNC Duke, you know, who UNLV beat that year in Kentucky and Kansas, the fifth most winning program in college basketball history, is you guys, UNLV. Yeah. From a percentage basis, based on you know, and you have to have a certain number of wins. But absolutely, I mean, there's great tradition at UNLV. It has been a a very tough decade uh, for the program, um, where that you haven't seen that success. And and the tournament appearance, you know, Rebels have not been to the NCAA tournament in now eight years. Before that, there was a you know, they went uh, three or four times in five years. But before that, there was another long stretch where they'd only been once in about 15 years. So um, you know. The hope is that the new coaching staff and the new regime and, and all of that can get the program back to where it is challenging for and making NCAA tournament appearances on a regular basis again, but uh, still a long ways to go. And that's perfect. That fast-forwards us right to today. What kind of UNLV team can Cougar fans expect to see today? 
well, it's a, unfortunately, it's a banged-up UNLV team. Um, but uh, it's a UNLV team that has bought into the new coaching staff led by T.J. Otzelberger and, and, and his staff. And folks from uh, talking about the history will recognize one of the guys, one of the faces on the bench, Kevin Kruger, has returned to, uh, to be an assistant coach uh, at UNLV after his playing days and then moving into the coaching ranks. But um, uh, it, it's a banged-up team, but it's a team that, uh, that, that will play hard and, and try to play physically and, and try, to, uh, try to battle teams at both ends of the floor, hard-nosed man-to-man defense, and, uh, and trying to incorporate the system that, that TJ likes to play in terms of half-court ball movement and, and finding great looks, whether they're at the rim or, or from three. But, uh, you know, that system is designed to be run with a certain type of player, and, and you, you, you have to play the cards you're dealt. And, mm-hmm. and you know, this staff has been dealt the, the, the cards that were there from the previous staff. So it's going to take a while to get their players into, into those roles. And as, as most college basketball or almost any sport, but certainly college basketball fans are aware, you know, year one of a new regime tends to be a little bit bumpy and a little rugged. And that's kind of what we're going through now. BYU's right there with you, brand new head coach, and yeah, fans fans could use some understanding for a second that it takes time to implement what they have going on. Let's step off the court for just a moment and talk about some of the the other oddities that are around. What exactly is a running rebel? So basically, and I mean, if you want, you can go online and look at it. I can give you the general uh, description. It, it came as a lot of those nicknames do from, I think, a newspaper article where the team many, many years ago was described as the running rebels. You hmm. know, there's no G, it's an apostrophe. It's oh, so. officially the um, running rebels. Running rebels. And this is opposed to, I mean, Ole Miss is the rebel rebels, right? That right. has to do with the Confederacy, I assume. So right. the rebels what's here, the... And, and yeah, so the, the, the origin of rebels here is the fact that the, the, the University of Nevada, Reno, was the first school and then there was the, um, were they the College of Southern Nevada or something like that? And then they became part of the University of Nevada system. And so they became the University of Nevada at Las Vegas and from in the south of the state. And so they became the rebels. That's where that came from. But the running part came, I believe, from a newspaper article. I love it when I can learn something. How about another tradition, uh, whether with the players or what goes on in the stadium, and, and what makes the fan experience unique? Well, I think the, the one that stands out for fans who have been to games at the Thomas and Mac are the fireworks that they, uh, they set off before the Rebels are introduced. Um, fireworks inside the in, Thomas in, and Mac Inside Center. the building, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, and they, they, they're rather loud and... <laughs> I have to time things on the radio right to make sure I'm not talking when they go off. And, uh, you know, one of the the endearing things about Robert Smith, as I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. is despite the fact that he played there and broadcast games with me there for 10 years, he'd always get startled by them. (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, that's that's one of the, I I think it's probably the most notable uh, uh, unique things about UNLV game experience. Uh, Unfortunately, the game experience these days is uh, is is not a full stadium, and uh, you know that's that's just a sign of the fact that the program has been has been a bit down, and the fact that the competition in the in the market is is so significant now. Well, it's an NBA stadium that they'll be playing in tonight. Just one more word, if you can, on maybe a, a prediction, if you want to be so bold, of what we will see uh, at the Vivint Smart Home Arena between UNLV and the BYU Cougars. I think you'll see, you know, an exciting game. They they typically are between these two teams. Uh, you know, you go back to the history, and you could probably count on on one hand the games that were decided by double figures, um, or that weren't weren't in doubt until very late. Um, as I said, the Rebels are a banged up squad right now, so they certainly aren't aren't at full strength. But at the same time, um, it's a team that. Uh, that really prides itself on playing hard, and I think it's it's a bit of a new attitude from 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 uh, teams we've seen recently at UNLV, and, and you'll see a great effort. And, uh, you know, Rebels certainly understand what they're up against. Uh, you know, there is a lot of talent, a lot of experience on that BYU team, and, and uh, playing not on their home floor at the Marriott Center, but certainly certainly close enough. Uh, the, the, it'll, be a, it'll be a tough environment from, uh, for a visiting team, and uh, Rebels have to be able to withstand that in order to have a chance to, to compete in this one. 
John Sandler is the radio play-by-play man for the UNLV Runnin' Rebels. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. When we come back, we will keep trying to get in this basketball frame of mind by looking back at some of our favorite memories of BYU hoops through the years. Don't go anywhere. Did you know two-time All-Star and 10-year NBA vet Larry Johnson played college ball at UNLV? He also appeared next to his Hornets teammate Muggsy Bogues in the movie Space Jam. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger, and I'm sitting next to... Sydney Carlson. I gotta get used to this. I like yeah. it. I like having a co-host. It's more fun. Yeah. Makes it less lonely on a Saturday morning for you. And as we uh, take a tour through BYU basketball now, uh, getting ready for UNLV in just about a half hour now until game time and tip off, we are looking back at our specific memories, you know, as we're trying to just flood football out of our brains until, of course, you know, in two weeks we start talking about the bowl game again. But, you know, as we get into a basketball mindset for you, we're just looking back at some of our favorite, you know, as BYU alumni ourselves and BYU fans, BYU memories from BYU basketball, which means we got to start because we're young folks. We are the millennials. We're starting with Jimmer and because you got to. Oh, yeah, obviously, when you think like big moments in BYU basketball, Jimmer's got to be the first one that comes to mind. He has a whole movement named after him, Jimmer Jimmer Mania. Mania. <laughs> um, I so our experiences are a little different. I was a senior in high school. Sorry if that offends anyone, but I was a senior you in high even school. At BYU gas. <laughs> I uh, but I was going to a school on the campus of UVU, and I was bought in to the Jimmer craze 100%. I was wearing BYU gear. I think I even had a necklace with like BYU beads that I would wear to school um, on campus and the dirty looks that I would get from UVU students. And I just didn't care. I was like, listen, I'm going to rep. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to BYU basketball is this Jimmer kid. I don't know where he came from. We like him. <laughs> it's okay. I uh, I was not on the campus of BYU either. I was a freshman in college, but I went somewhere else before I came to BYU. And boy, did I regret it once basketball season kicked <laughs> off because I could have been here, right? I never saw Jimmer yeah. in, in the flesh, right, oh. to go to a game and, and experience. I mean, and because he has just so many games oh, that are memorable. So many. I mean, uh, you know, having just come off, Utah loss that stings like you think about his game against Utah where he just went off and you he's got like sports center top highlights just all over that game not to mention like a near midcourt shot and he goes Which, off. It seems like every shot was almost oh, a midcourt shot. absolutely. The, the stretch Y is a long enough logo that it seems like he was shooting yeah. from it every <laughs> time he went back for a three. 100% and uh, I still to this day will watch NBA games or NCAA games and guys will miss shots from quote unquote Jimmer range, I'm like mm, you ain't Jimmer. That's right. That's not it. Yeah, <laughs> you wish, but you're not. Utah is a beautiful memory to bring up today. He also had New Mexico, where he drops 52 in a single game, and he just kept scoring. He kept scoring all through the WCC tournament. It seemed like he was taking over games. 52 points is wild. There are teams that put up 52 points. The whole game, like entire teams. I mean, uh, Virginia wins the national championship last year. They were averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 it's points a game. Just wild. And I, it's fun to see him. I do wish that we could have seen it more of that in the NBA, but obviously it's just not really in the cards for Jimmer. But it's fun to see him go off like that in China doing what he's doing. Like, he's just such a fun player to watch. Like, no matter where he is, like, he's always fun to watch and it was so cool being here with like students would just go insane over jimmer rightfully so we had a celebrity sitting right here in utah county we did we did fast forward a little bit the player that i have seen the most and that i'm the most familiar with and enjoyed watching was probably kyle collinsworth dropping triple doubles that's right like it was nothing and you know russell westbrook i think has gotten basketball fans in general numb to the fact that a triple double is a really cool thing to do and in college basketball it is very very rare yet kyle collinsworth was pulling him out 
at a record-setting pace. Oh, 100%. There are a few injuries in BYU sports that I remember deeply affecting me. And when Kyle tore his ACL at the WCC tournament, Mm. that was rough for me. That one, anytime Taysom went down, was also rough. But I just, Kyle was so crucial to this team. And having him and Tyler Hawes playing together was... We'll never see, I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like Jimmer again, but I felt like those two together was pretty magical. Like they, and Tyler would do it in a way that was like really quiet. Like we'd, we'd win the game and you'd look back at the stats and it was like, oh, Tyler put up 30 points. Like, Hmm. how did we, (laughs) he just quietly was doing his job. uh, And then Kyle was, Kyle was putting up dunks and triple doubles and he was a little flashier, but what a, what a fun uh, era in BYU basketball. There's individual players that we associate with our memories of BYU basketball, but then there's the games and the moments as well. And really, you can pick and choose which Gonzaga game is your favorite because it seems like every year we get a chance to top to topple one of the Goliaths of college basketball. Oh, absolutely. And Gonzaga's fun for me because it seems like even before we entered the WCC, we've always been a little bit of a problem for Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. And they're consistently one of the top teams in the nation, but we are essentially a rival and a rival that competes. And some of my favorites, um, I remember, like we were talking about Tyler Hawes and and Kyla Collinsworth, uh, them going to Gonzaga. They're a top three team in the country, and we beat them at home. And being able to beat Gonzaga in their house is is pretty special and pretty fun for me. And then a few years later is the one that I remember specifically because of a, a certain uh, newspaper article that came out. 100%. Gonzaga was 29-0 and 0 at the time of their regular season finale. Just, against just a just, breath just away from perfection. Exactly. And how many teams in college basketball have been able to say, I mean, you can go on a run in the tournament and you can be national champions, but, but to actually win every game, that's rare. And Gonzaga was right there, and it was just BYU in their way. And the Spokesman Review published 30-0, Zags make history, except mm, that mm, they didn't, except that they to, to my memory. They definitely didn't. Yeah, no. To go and again at Gonzaga to take something that was obviously so important to them away. That's what a rivalry is about. Like that is what makes it fun is just kind of being just being a thorn in the other team's side and it's a little brother just kind of punching you up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean even back back to Jimmer days like uh that 2011 NCAA tournament uh we just went in and wrecked Gonzaga and I feel like that's kind of where it began, where their 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 uh, their animosity towards BYU mm. began back in the Jimmer days and has continued through the WCC, and it's it's super fun to know that kind of to an extent that game is anybody's game always. And yeah, it's a, it's a coin flip because it seems like they win one, we win one every single year. I miss some of the Mountain West rivalries that we had, because talking about Jimmer days, the the games I remember specifically from that year are the San Diego State ones, right? right? And we've gotten a chance to play San Diego State again this year. I, I miss some of those rivalries that we used to have. Yeah. Kawhi versus Jimmer, like seeing the way that Kawhi has turned out in the NBA since then. Right. It's fantastic to think back. Like, he was just at San Diego State. Right. And we were playing him. We played him. He was here. He was in the Marriott Center. Uh, Yeah. And I feel like we still have a little bit of that with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, but for sure there used used to be a little bit more parity in the Mountain West than there is now. But I still love... I love those St. Mary's Gonzaga games. I mean, even we've been on the receiving end of some heartbreakers as well with those teams. I can think of Matthew Delavadova hitting a buzzer beater, the Delava Dagger, yeah. as we call it. Yeah, rather rather not remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, but you know, there's always heartbreakers, and that's uh, what makes for a good rivalry. And what makes for yeah for good basketball and good rivalries. come back we'll start getting to know the players that make BYU basketball tick today Alex Barcelo is on the program you don't want to miss it 
Did you know Nevada's 29-5 record last year is tied for the best finish in school history? Tailgate, I'm Sydney Carlson. Head coach Mark Pope has brought a new energy to BYU basketball as well as a few new faces. Joining us now on the program is junior guard Alex Barcelo, a transfer by way of Arizona University. Alex, welcome to Cougar Tailgate. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, so we are coming off obviously disappointing loss to Utah, but talk a little bit about kind of what your focus has been in practice this week. What's what's kind of the game plan going forward as you guys look to UNLV? Um, I mean, coach kind of pulled us all in and just told us to stick true to who we are, stick true to what we've been doing. And, uh, you know, you can't win every game, but as long as we go out there and give 100%, I mean, that's all that matters. And we know that all these guys uh, on this team have each other's back. And uh, we're just going to keep working to improve every single day and, and learning as this season goes on. Sure. And you're, you were kind of familiar with Utah coming from the Pac-12. What was your impression of that team before you got here? Um, you know, they've always been a pretty good team. Uh, this year they're a little bit younger than they normally are. Uh, they have a lot of young guys and underclassmen, but uh, they came out there and, and they battled just like we did. And, I mean, they got the upper hand, but uh, we're not going to let that hold us back. I mean, we're going to keep moving on with the season and turn the page and, and learn from learn from it. I'm sure you've told this story a million times since you've been here, but tell us a little bit about your transfer experience and what kind of drew you to BYU. Um, I entered the transfer portal kind of late uh, in the summer, and then uh, Coach Pope and the coaching staff reached out to me, and they kind of started just building that relationship with me. I had other uh, great schools that wanted me as well, but BYU kind of just stuck out to me uh, just just uh, how, the, how uh, the coaches interacted with me and how personable they were. Um, it's kind of what I was looking for uh, through the situation that I went through uh, at my previous school. It, it wasn't that great. Um, so I was just looking for something that, uh, you know, I needed in my life, I felt like at the time. And, and that's what uh, the coaching staff showed me. And, and that's what I loved about this school. And, and I'm so glad to be here. I mean, it's really been a blessing for me. That's awesome. We are so excited to have you here. Um, and we're all kind of, we. I mean, Coach Pope obviously was here and then left TUVU and came back. So we're all kind of getting to know him again as a head coach. What has been your experience? Like what, your experience with Coach Pope, what, what kind of coach is he like? He's one of the most energetic people I've ever met. <laughs> so, like, what's it like coach, or playing for Coach Pope? It's amazing. Um, you know, I, I know that he has everyone's best interest as well as my uh, best interest when it comes to on the court and off the court. Um, he's just a, one of the smartest coaches that I've ever listened to, if not the smartest. I mean, he, he knows his X's and O's, and he knows how to get into guys uh, to get the best out of them um, and, and just – knowing their game as well as helping them improve their game as the season moves on and even in the off season uh, before the season started. Um, just just really how to get the best out of every one of his players. I mean, that's, that's just what sticks out to me about him, and uh, it, it really helps him uh, and us with just how personal he is. And like you said, I mean, he's just a phenomenal guy off the court. Like, he's so energetic, and that's that's one of the things that, like, I love being off the court as well as on the court. Just the energy that he brings to the table is just amazing. That's awesome. It seems like he definitely has like a fun-loving side. Do you have any memories that come to mind of like maybe non-basketball interactions that you've had with him? Um, <clears throat> probably, probably when I committed. Um, just calling it like I was in Arizona still at the time, and and I uh, called him and and put him on speaker for my girlfriend to hear as well. Um, and just how excited he was uh, when when I said that I was committed. Like I genuinely felt like like I was wanted, and that was a very important aspect to his team. Um, and it just it just showed me uh, just how blessed I was to to make the decision to come here. So a little bit more about kind of just you. Who were some of your idols growing up when you were playing basketball? Like who do you kind of look at? Like that's who I want to be. Um, I was a huge fan of the movie Space Jam, so I loved <laughs> I loved uh, Michael Jordan, and sure. that's really why I was number uh, 23 my whole life. I mean, I'm not 23 here just because Yoli has that number, but my senior year, I'll, I'll go back to my original number. And uh, just watching him and, and the heart that he had with the game, um, as well as other players, like I love Steve Nash, um, 
just the vision that he has, like in, in the, the feel that he has for the game. Like he doesn't really care uh, whether he's scoring points or making assists as long as the team's winning. Like that's just kind of a guy who I looked up to and, and who I've always wanted to be like, um, just being an overall basketball player and wanting the team to succeed and win. What does like an average game day look like for you? Do you have superstitions or pregame rituals that you like to follow? Uh, I try not to have many superstitions, but like if I have a, a good game in a certain pair of shoes, I'll keep wearing that shoe uh, until I don't have such a good game, um, and then I'll switch it out. But uh, my pregame uh, ritual is just like we have our shoot around. Like I wake up, I obviously try to eat as healthy as possible, and then we go to our shoot around. And after shoot around, I stay uh, stay at the gym for until game time. I take a quick nap. I get stretched out, I hop in uh, the recovery boots and, and get uh, treatment that I need to help loosen up my legs. And then I pray, I listen to some pump-up music, and then I go out and, and do a quick little workout on the court uh, before we start warming up as a team. What's your go-to pump-up music? Um, I would say the genre is probably rap, just because it's upbeat, uh, high tempo, just trying to get my, my energy flowing. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, what has been, or what have been some of your favorite game day traditions that you've seen here at BYU, whether that's the atmosphere or things that you guys do as a team? I'm a really big fan of, uh, when the lights shut out and the curtain drops. I love that. Um, I can't really see it from, from on like the bench cause it's so huge, but, uh, I just think it's so cool. Like when the fans start screaming and then the, and the introductions uh, yeah. start going, it's just, uh, it really gets my blood flowing. The Cougar fans, it's time moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely one of my favorite things that we've done. What's one of your favorite basketball memories in your whole career? Going all the way back to like Little League. Did they call it Little League in basketball? I didn't play. <laughs> I didn't play basketball, so you'll have to inform me there. No, yeah. Um, probably, probably in high school, uh, my favorite memories was uh, when I was winning. I won state my freshman and sophomore year uh, with my team. Um, we were really close, and just uh, knowing all the work that we put into it, um, seeing it pay off, and then uh, being here, um, probably one of the like the most important uh, memory in my life is just knowing all the troubles that I went to. Me going out there and playing our first actual season game. Um, just seeing how I got to that point uh, in my life and, and I overcame some of the, the hardships that I, I went through um, really uh, has been the most important uh, thing that I look back on. I love that. Who would you say is the funniest guy on the team? <laughs> the funniest guys, I would say there's a few guys. Um, I'd say Gavin, Connor, and Jake are probably some of the funniest guys on the team. Um, we're all we're all like when you get us all together we're all clowns and we love to joke around but those are some of the guys who are just they're always funny they always got something funny to say (laughs) so great um if you weren't playing basketball or when you aren't playing basketball what do you like to do I like to hang out um we we all call each other the boys um so I, I love to hang out go go to eat my favorite place is uh Buffalo Wild Wings so I love to to go there and usually go there with Zach Selius and just kill the wings, like order like 20 wings and, and some fries and just hang out, um, watch sports games. We sometimes have game night, so I love to do that. Um, just getting together and having fun. Uh, like board games or video games? Board or? games, yeah. Awesome. Not so much video games, more, <laughs> more board games and like acting out stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a people person, so I just like to, to interact with people and, and have a good time. Are you competitive when you play board games? I'm pretty competitive. Yeah. It, it depends on the board game, though. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, tell us one thing that you're really into right now, if that's like a TV show or any kind of music. I started this TV show called Limitless. It's pretty good. Okay. Um, it was a movie, and then I just started it. Uh, my girlfriend recommended it to me, and I just like, I don't know, I've gotten into it. So it's only one season, but... Uh, have you seen the movie with Bradley so. Cooper? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Is it, is it as good as the movie? I would say so, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, it's it for out. sure something to watch. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> uh, we're going to do some lightning round questions okay. to finish it out. All right. Um, just whatever comes to your head. Don't think about it too much. Just have fun with it. Uh, favorite pro sports team? Warriors. Right. Favorite city? Uh, Chicago. Favorite superhero? 
Ooh, Superman. Favorite Disney princess? Disney princess. Cinderella. Nice. Favorite Provo restaurant? Ooh, Cubbies. Good one. Uh, favorite junk food? Oh, a sour candy. Celebrity crush? Um, my girlfriend. <laughs> Zoe Simpson. <laughs> uh, good answer. Uh, one thing you can't leave the house without? Oh, my headphones. Uh, texting or talking? Talking. Cake or pie? Cake. Team Taylor or Team Kanye? Kanye. Uh, go-to karaoke song? Oh, I forgot. It's a song by Justin Timberlake. Can't oh, stop my the feeling? Gosh. Yeah, I'll go with that one. <laughs> Anything from Justin Timberlake. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and because it is that time of year, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, The Grinch. Great. Well, Alex, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, go have a great time against UNLV. Do you have any last words for our listeners? Um, no, let's just let's just keep getting dubs and, and moving on throughout the season. Let's go, Cougar Nation. That was junior guard transfer Alex Barcelo here on the program. When we come back, we will get you right up to game time with our pregame coverage on Cougar Tailgate. We'll be right back. Did you know in BYU and UNR, seven meetings all time, they have scored the same number of points. BYU is 4-3, and three, but the series score is tied at 580 to 580. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger. Thank you so much to John Sandler of UNLV Athletics, to Alex Barcelo here of the BYU basketball team, and most importantly, thank you, Sydney Carlson, for joining me all day today. Oh, a pleasure. And I'm so excited. And she'll be back again next week. You passed the test, at least as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what <laughs> anyone so. else thinks. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone thinks otherwise, sorry, I'm sticking around. That's Here we right. go. <laughs> and next week is going to be a fun one as well. In between now and then, of course, we got UNLV today, starting in just like T minus 10, right? Moments. And then UNR on next Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday at 7. Evening. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday evening. And we that's here it. at the Marriott Center, right? It is, yep. UNR, they, they opened their season against Utah. Also lost, so I think we're on similar footing, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll both we'll commiserate one. on the court with UNR. I'm all right with that. Right before tip, <laughs> and then Utah State is next Saturday, and that is kind one, of special. Yeah. Yep. So that's part of the uh, Beehive Classic that uh, we've started playing up at the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Played Utah the first year, Weber State the second year, and now we've got Utah State, who is a formidable opponent this year. A ranked Utah State opponent. Absolutely. And so we will have all the information on what the Utah, sorry, the Beehive Classic. Beehive Classic. Is um, how all the Utah teams gather together for that one day at the home of the Jazz. And all you need to know about getting ready for Utah State and coming up. We also have a bowl game coming up. We'll start talking about that next week. Do that a little bit more in a couple weeks. Sydney, it's been fun, and we got plenty more to talk about as we keep going. Stick around for the sports. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at cougartailgate, cougar, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, at gmail.com. You can check out the podcast if you missed any part of the show today on Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you catch your podcasts. We are probably there. Uh, And then, of course, we're at byuradio.org. I'm Cole Wissinger. I'm Sydney Carlson. And you've been listening to the Cougar Tailgate. Go Cougs! Go Cougs!